Hello and welcome to Metaphorically Speaking with Delia Delore, the podcast where we talk about mottos, sayings and metaphors from their roots to how they shape our thoughts and language today. Each week we have a special guest who resonates with their chosen expression. How are you? I hope you guys are well and excited about today's episode of Metaphorically Speaking. Today's metaphor echoes in each and every one of us. We'll talk about what community is about, and we'll even try to uncover what is the cornerstone of humanity. Yes, just that. From the cavemen to Billy Graham by way of Kenya. Stay tuned and follow me on this amazing journey. Our metaphor is, you got the sticks, I got a match, and together we can make a fire. That was chosen by today's guest, Marie Pisano. She's an American philanthropist and a woman with many talents. But most importantly, she's a fighter, a warrior who never gave up. She went from the bottom to the top by working hard and believing in her dreams. And one of the reasons I really love this program is because it makes me feel so inspired by the guests, their lives, and the metaphors that they come up with. Many of them make them up but many of them come with metaphors that I've even completely forgotten about, but then I learned so much about the background. We are so lucky to have such amazing guests. Today, we focus on love, friendship, and solidarity, and what these words mean to one another. I'm sure everybody is familiar with these notions, but in today's episode, we'll see how it led to what we are, friends, families, societies. You got the sticks, I got a match, and together we can make a fire, we can hear the idea of solidarity. One can't liberate its true potential without the help of others. We could trace back this metaphor to the dawn of times. If you think about it, you can turn the sentence into you got the sticks, I got the rocks, and together we can make a fire. That's how it all started. Mastering fire is how humans survived through tough winters, repelled predators, and even got healthier by cooking their food. Far from Love Island or The Bachelor, people in these times needed to live with each other to survive, accepting one's flaws and using each other's specificities as tools to survive. Human beings became what they are because they found strength in unity. This is how societies and nations started. In many countries' mottos, we can find this message of unity. Take France's motto, liberty, equality, fraternity. Jamaica's, out of many one people, or Kenya's, let us all pull together. Let's stay with Kenya for a moment. Kenya's motto comes from the term Harambi in Swahili, which embodies the tradition of community self-help events, such as fundraising or development activities. This is so important to Kenyan culture that it appears on their coat of arms and the thematic also appears in their national anthem.
desire to reunite everybody comes also from the need to fortify a nation split in 70 different ethnicities. Instead of focusing on what makes us different, what divides us, Kenya is sending a message to say, now take a look at everything we share in common and how we can build the future. Learning to embrace our similarities and accept our differences is the best way to reach peace and acceptance. I'm sorry. I don't want to be an emperor. That's not my business. I don't want to rule or conquer anyone. I should like to help everyone if possible. Jew, Gentile, black man, white. We all want to help one another. Human beings are like that. We want to live by each other's happiness, not by each other's misery. We don't want to hate and despise one another. In this world, there's room for everyone, and the good earth is rich and can provide for everyone. The way of life can be free and beautiful. Millions of despairing men, women, and little children, victims of a system that makes men torture and imprison innocent people. For those who can hear me, I say, do not despair. The misery that is now upon us is but the passing of greed, the bitterness of men who fear the way of human progress. The hate of men will pass, and dictators die, and the power they took from the people will return to the people, and so long as men die, liberty will never perish. You are not machines, you are not cattle, you are men. You have the love of humanity in your hearts. You don't hate, only the unloved hate, the unloved and the unnatural. Soldiers, don't fight for slavery, fight for liberty. Why the example of Kenya, you ask? Simply because Africa, as it is well known, is the cradle of mankind. The cradle where these qualities have been born and developed. The cradle from which we all come from, our mother's womb. However, we've seen for way too long African countries being split between classes and races, such as Kenya, but also Rwanda and South Africa. The invasion and borders dictated by the colonists have been an impediment for development, with countries left with borders that didn't have neither historical nor cultural cohesion, but economic and political strategies from another continent. For too long, these divisions have diverted Africa and the world of what we are, social beings, with the same brain, the same heart, the same species. for our guest, Marie Pisano. Not only is she the founder and CEO of MVP3 Entertainment Group, a film and TV music publishing and talent management company, she's also an award-winning producer and author known for her book From Barefoot to Stilettos. It's her fascinating autobiography which was later adapted on the big screen. Her work talks about how she never took no for an answer, as well as her struggles and her unique but tough journey. Today, in Metaphorically Speaking, I'm lucky to interview a strong and confident woman conveying such a strong and powerful message.
can you tell us about your book, From Barefoot to Stilettos, Finding My Yes, and why you felt it had to be written? Well, it's my memoir. It starts, you know, my journey from when I was little thus far, basically. Um, well, this second book, From Barefoot to Stilettos, Finding My Yes, is the continuance. It's the sequel. And... Um, I felt it had to be written because I needed a voice. There was so much, you know, in my life that I wasn't able to come out with. I wasn't able to release. And you know how they say, um, truth shall set you free. So that was, it was, I say, there's always three sides to every story, yours, mine, and the truth. But most of all, this is part of my forgiveness. It's my story, my truth, but my forgiveness. And um, it helped me as part of a healing as well. And I hope to inspire others. I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you whether there was something whilst you were writing that you wasn't aware of how much it affected you. And it was only while you were writing it that it came uh, came to be. And if you can think of it, what was that instance? It's called Adverse Childhood Experiences. It's ACEs. And I didn't realize after until after I wrote it what that was. And actually, the diagnosis, you know, basically is the ACEs. And you can find a lot of information about it, but we majority of people all have aces and whether it's traumas you know an experience or something and if we don't heal that inner child we keep repeating the same mistakes we create that suffering um you know it, it's the way we're developed you know from those traumas that navigate how we become adults so i didn't realize that until after you know, writing all this. And it took me now, what, 50 <laughs> years to finally discover. And that's when I was able to have mind, body and soul balance. And when you do that, you are set free to be. Can you give us an example of one of those instances that you went through as a child? One of them is definitely, well, this is, um, there's many, you know, different levels, but divorce, um, a parent in incarceration, incarcerated, um, there is trauma as far as abuse, um, neglect, there's, you know, tons of different aces, but one of them was my mother and I, I mean, when I was little, I grew up in the South side of Chicago, single parent on food stamps. And I didn't realize that when you don't have that other parent around um, or that, you know, balance that way, that could create an ace. So that was one of the aces that I discovered later in life. And then, you know, as far as a trauma, when I was 18 years old, I was in a motorcycle accident. And even though I jumped up, you know, right away, the adrenaline and, you know, when you're young, you think you're invincible. So you push down sometimes these traumas and you don't realize it comes back later in life. I, I was able to live, you know, from that major trauma of 280 something stitches, 
a big T on my leg. And when you think you're invincible and something like that, and you see the, the outcome of that tragedy, um, not only does it create post-traumatic stress, but also, you know, a trauma that, that, um, is embedded with fear. Yes, definitely. Um, and as you were talking, I thought of, you know, times in my life, which is exactly as you said, they, it happens and you just think, oh, I'm over it. But then it resurfaces. Right. It really does. So, I mean, I, I, I uh, am waiting to read your book further because I think that I'm going to be able to relate to some of that. And as you say, uh, a lot of the book is it's self-healing to a certain extent, but it's also to help other people to perhaps get that strength and maybe it's a place for them to start, you know, if they feel. I, say, I call it finding your yes. My yes is not your yes and yes. vice versa, but we could all find our yes and we all should realize, you know, all this, we're all victims of victimization, you know, and even being a woman in different forms, uh, you know, I mean, we as women have to go through a lot of different things that men don't understand and um, can be, you know, abusive. And we have seen the Me Too and sexual harassment, but also it's about building stronger brains, you know, um, where we are not so insecure. We know that we are enough. And in all honesty, this whole thing that's going on in the world if we all realize that we are enough, we heal that inner child, um, we wouldn't see all these triggers and people getting offended. And, you know, it's what I found to find my yes is to find that balance with mind, body and soul. Yes. And uh, I hope that within the book that people will understand that, again, yeah. it is about your yes, and they have to find their yes. yes. But how can someone who has a passion to achieve make a start if they feel that what they want to achieve is out of their league? See, for me, I don't think anything is out of anybody's league, because if you are passionate enough, um, you focus, and you don't give up. I mean, we all know there's naysayers out there. We all know we stumble and fall and there's so many trials and tribulations. But I mean, after you read my story, I think you'll realize there's a lot, you know, that, you know, as far as starting a business, being a woman, you know, um, just navigating, no matter if you're a woman, man, you know, human, navigating through everybody else's aces <laughs> as well it's it's to never give up we all stumble and fall we all come from this in this world barefoot we you know like naked to the world and we all make mistakes we have to learn the lessons and we all have our different journey and path but what i say with this with from barefoot to stilettos is you go through all that, but we each got that power and we have to remember that we could all rise up and have that power to go find that yes, that, you know, destination, your purpose. And if you're purpose driven, and again, when you, when you, the minute you heal that inner child, you are set free. So you, 
we all pretty much block ourselves from many different things in life. And as soon as we let all that go, we will find our purpose and you will find your yes. And you know, a huge part of what you've just said is also about being in the right circles, not just the right frame of mind and having, of course, the passion. But if you're not surrounded by those things or those people where your passion lies, then you're not going to get anyone. I think that's where a lot of people fail. They remain where they are with these passions. And that's when they think it's out of their league. Well, it's not really. It's just because they're not putting themselves in the place to be where their passion is so that they won't consider it, you know, being out of their league. And also it's, uh, it's about self-esteem as well, isn't it? You know, if, if your self-esteem- yes, You know that negativity is very, just like positivity is contagious, so is negative mm. um, contagious. So if you're listening to people all the time and you believe them, you believe everything they say that you can't know, this can't happen, this was never done before, you know, all the no's, that's what we got to get out of that mindset. You know, mm -hmm. there's yes. Yeah. You know, you can make that yes. No, you've, <laughs> you've explained where the finding my yes has come from in your book. But what about from barefoot to stilettos? Where did that come from? I just woke up one day and I just said, my goodness, you know, my life journey, um, how did this all happen? How did I have, I had to reflect on my life and, um, but it just popped in my head, like from barefoot, you know, we all come out, of, you know, from the moment I came out, basically there's a story, you know, and there's a journey and there's a path. And sometimes I took the wrong path or wrong detour and, you know, but no matter what, no matter what, I didn't give up. And I think I got that strength from my mother and from my grandfather, my father, and, you know, the, the survivors, you know, um, from my, you know, past and it's in my DNA. So we all have to just remember that we can, we are enough and we have that power. You just forget it. You know, your light goes out. You know, they say, don't let anyone dull your sparkle. Don't. And we just got to remember that and remind ourselves, you know, to keep going. So that's why I just, you know, and when I first started my job and you have to dress up, wear stilettos, you know, and that was the empowerment, you know, for me to rise up, you know, in my stilettos and kick down every wall, <laughs> every no. <laughs> and yeah. go find my yes oh. <laughs> now Morgan Freeman has called your book the inspiring first person story of a woman driven to prove to the world that she can how did he get he how did he get a hold of your book <laughs> well him and I I'll tell you a quick story during the time um, I was going through like what I call the dark ages, you know, I was all these things were happening, divorce, people making up lies, you know, the naysayers, people making up stories and being a woman, you get accused that, you know, in this man's world, if you're having a meeting or something with a man, you must be having an affair with them, you know, and all these rumors and being in the South, you know, everybody gossips, it's, it's a small town and there was so many rumors and everything that it was just so obnoxious. And 
when I met Morgan at that time, you know, he knew I was determined to do, you know, my films and everything, but everything was crashing down. And he said, you know, Marie, everything happens for a reason. I said, Morgan, I don't know what God or the universe was thinking and why am I in Tennessee? And I looked down and there's a T on my leg from that motorcycle accident. And I go, what is this, T for Tennessee? He goes, no, Marie, that's T for tough. And the moment Morgan says that, and you know, he's like the voice of God, you know, from the movie, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Bruce Almighty. So it was kind of funny, like God plays a joke on me, has Morgan Freeman, you know, but bottom line, just him and I, kindred spirits speaking, he knew my passion. Um, he, he told me to go write my story and don't give up, you know, and as, as a mentor advisor, you know, tell me how in this film world, how, you know, you start from a book, you know, you start your story by telling your story. So that's how that came about and uh, how he, you know, I asked him, can you give me a quote, you know, for the book? And he did. So there you have it. <laughs> oh, that is so wonderful. That's so wonderful. Yeah. Okay. You spent... 2020 advocating for a Tennessee amendment requiring divorcing parents to become educated on adverse childhood experiences before being granted a divorce. Why do you think that this is necessary and what was the outcome? Well, we passed the law, you know, there was by, you know, unanimous um, on both House and Senate, you know, here in Tennessee and it is now mandated that parents who are divorcing be educated in ACEs because in hopes that you recognize your own ACEs so you don't pass it down and keep creating that cycle of dysfunction on your child. And because of what I've been through with divorce and this family court system, I am challenging it to be become better, to build better, you know, stronger brains for our community and society so we could be a trauma-free and trauma-responsive, you know, community. And with that, I have now went a little step further and I'm going after more legislation to get divorcing attorneys, family law attorneys in the family court system, if they're going to be, you know, involved in, you know, the legal aspect and the financial aspect and the decisions, they need to know what ACEs are. And I want them to get trained and I want a better way to handle divorce in this family court system. It's a $50 billion industry. And why don't we all ask ourselves, how does it actually help family and children? It doesn't. This whole family court system hurts our economy. It weaponizes our children. And when you think about all these attorneys, there are some unethical ones, unfortunately, that fuel the aces of their clients to get them to create War of the Roses just to profit while the children are being weaponized. And that's a trauma. Aces, divorce is one of the number one aces. And so if I could, you know, use my platform and we are, Morgan Freeman's son is actually um, narrating the next documentary I do called A Society in Crisis and uh, a family and divide. And we're gonna take a deep look at ACEs and try to pass more le legislation to create change. I'm glad you said that because I was thinking, I'd love to see something 
you know, whether it was a, a documentary or one of those new yeah. docudramas, you know, that yeah. kind of tells you exactly what it really is like and shows it. Because I think that a lot of people, and yes, I think it's very important, especially when uh, parents are divorcing. And sometimes it's a case of, well, I think parents should be divorcing because of the effect that it's having on their children. So I see ACEs yeah. doing both those things. Um, so I, you know, and people divorce because of their aces. Cause think about it. The it's the four and six year old and each of us that are expecting the other one to fix it. The other one to do something, throwing tantrums, you know, everything. And then when someone doesn't heal us, we think they are the wrong person for us. You know, again, we all have a journey and everybody comes in our life for a reason, but if we heal those aces, we wouldn't end up having so many broken homes, divorces, weaponized children, mm -hmm. and there wouldn't be a need, you know, if, the more we bring awareness, this family court system, these divorce attorneys won't be able to legalize a way for parental alienation and domestic violence. Because domestic violence is not only physical, it's emotional, and it's also financial. So you could abuse the court system to harm the other parent you know not just physically but financially so all this has got to stop you know so we could all find our yes in life in a happier way and and eliminate these traumas and suffering well i thank you for that uh, unfortunately i don't know of anything like that in the uk and i hope that people listening to this will think you know what we should have something like this uh, here in the UK. Well, I hope to work with the UK and you on, you know, this, um, if you go to a societyincrisis.com, you can find out more info. Okay. I definitely will do that because I think it's so needed. Um, and, and especially, oh yes. Okay. It's divorcing, but, uh, some people, they live as a married couple. And so it, it, you know, it's the same as, you know, for them, it's the same kind of things that they're going through, you know, and uh, maybe, in a way, slightly, I wouldn't say worse, but different because there's nothing legally keeping them together, but they remain together to the detriment of the children. So, um, yeah, I will definitely look. look uh, I don't know why society or, you know, we spend our time tearing everybody apart and learning divide and separate. Even though if you have to divorce, you can still create those bonds needed for the children. Yes. You know? Yes, I agree so. with you. So, Marie, how does the metaphor, you got sticks, I got a match, and together we can make a fire relate <laughs> to your yeses? Because when you work at something as a team, you could always accomplish the dream, you know? So that's why I think, you know, there's so many things people don't realize that they can do together and you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You can make it bigger by working with each other. Fair enough. And that's how I found my yes. I'm building our movie studio and hotel and all that here in Memphis, Tennessee. And it takes a team to do that. <laughs> Gosh, so that's a, that is a big project. Why did yeah. you start such a huge project? I'm sorry? I said that is a very big project. Yes, and um, but it's 20 years in the making. And when you read my story, you'll understand why. And 
hopefully I'm part of um, a lot of change and we want to redefine what the entertainment industry um, is about going forward on truth and integrity. Yeah, integrity, that's a, a key word, key. Where can we buy your book? Um, you could go to barefootdistilettos.com, but it's on Amazon right now. Um, there's the first book that I wrote, and then the second one that we're talking about from Barefoot to Stilettos, Finding My Yes. So you can find it there. Well, Marie, it's been a pleasure to hear about your book and, of course, um, all the projects that you've been working on and, you know, being an advocate for ACES. It's really needed. So thank you. Thank you for having me on your show. Thank you so much, Marie Pisano, for your incredible insights and this lesson on solidarity and working together. Life is full of obstacles and teaching we have to learn from, and your incredible journey sums it up perfectly. Our guest's life embodies what mankind is about, surviving and learning from its mistakes and encountered obstacles. This is what separates mankind from the animal kingdom, our faculty to transfer our knowledge to one another from generation to generation. For example, even if you take the smartest fish in the sea, the one able to avoid every net, fishing line or harpoon, it cannot communicate and teach its techniques to its congeners or its children. That's what the metaphor is all about. With people helping and passing their knowledge to each other, we can learn and build houses, cities, societies. For that, we need the help of our close ones, our friends. Aristotle, a philosopher in ancient Greece, defined man as a social animal. In this definition, he described three kinds of friendship. The friendships that come about when each person is seeking fun. The friendships that are strategic acquaintances. Then comes the third kind, the most important one. Then there's the true friend. Not someone who's just like you, but someone who isn't you, but about whom you care as much as you care about yourself. The sorrows of a true friend are your sorrows. Their joys are yours. It makes you more vulnerable, should anything befall this person, but it's hugely strengthening too. You're relieved from the too small orbit of your own thoughts and worries. You expand into the life of another. Together you become larger, cleverer, more resilient, more fair-minded. You share virtues and cancel out each other's defects. Friendship teaches us what we ought to be. It's quite literally the best part of life. Therefore, we can see that unity and mutual aid lead to more than a connection, but to an extension of ourselves. They become a prolongation of our mind. They make it wider, sharper, more powerful, like weapons, once held, become arms. Come together, right now, over me. Thus comes the other saying, strength is in unity. You don't need to look at the Giza pyramids or the skyscrapers of New York City to see what we can achieve. Take the example of another being, 
Apparently very different from us, the beaver. These animals live in families. It's very unlikely you'll ever see one by itself. Why? Because one beaver is just a rodent carrying twigs. As for a family of beavers, they can build dams influencing a whole river, forest or ecosystem. Each one of them gets what it needs for the rest of the family in order to survive. Without this union, each individual's life expectancy is incredibly reduced. However, for us humans, times have changed. For many people, survival is not an issue anymore and we don't rely on each other as much as we used to do. This can cause people to be more self-centered, individualistic, and they can grow weary of others just because they consider themselves as the unknown. Nevertheless, throughout history, Mankind always has tried to grow out of these differences and to keep working together. They sometimes found this strength in religion. The word religion comes from the Latin term for link. This shows that religion's first goal was to reunite people around the same values, no matter their race, political or social background, to help us to work together to shape the future. Nowadays, you can still find people with the same beliefs from the coldest point of Alaska to the driest place in the Sahara by way of the heart of Rome. And don't you black people ever forget one thing. The man that helped Jesus carry that cross was a black man. And don't ever forget another thing. Jesus belongs to Africa as much as he does to Europe and Asia. He was born in that part of the world that touches Africa and Asia and Europe, and Jesus was not a white man like me, nor was he as black as some of you. We don't know what the color of his skin, but it must have been a dark color like the people of his day, because he was a man like them. Don't ever say it's a white man's religion or a black man's religion. It's a world religion. He belongs to the world. So as we've seen, you got the sticks, I got a match, and together we can make a fire, is a metaphor that vibrates in every one of us because it is the essence of what we are. When we work together as one, we can build societies, achieve many exploits, and go through any obstacle. Now, looking at every building, every school or every hospital is a reminder of what our strengths are, kindness and unity. Thanks for listening to this episode of Metaphorically Speaking. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you to our writer, Paul Ferriti, who took us on a journey through time and heart. Thank you so much, Marie Pisano, for inspiring us with the metaphor, you got the sticks, I got the match, and together we can make a fire. This is definitely a saying everyone should live by, especially nowadays. I'd also like to thank our editor, Jonathan Woods, for always being there and always just wanting to get things right. I think when we have productions like this, hosts do not applaud or commend their team enough. And I am very lucky to have a really wonderful, strong team. So thank you, Jonathan, for doing all that you do to get our show and the podcast sounding as best as it could possibly be. 
Don't forget, if you'd like to suggest a metaphor for an upcoming show, you can reach me at colorful forward slash presenters forward slash Delia and at Delia at metaphoricallyspeaking.uk. Of course, we would love you to share the show with your friends or leave a review on colorful.com or on our podcast, Metaphorically Speaking, which is on Apple, Spotify, and all major streaming platforms. I always say this because it's true. We depend on you to help us to grow so we can produce the best content for you to enjoy. And it's a content that I'm sure many of you were not aware of some of the backgrounds, of the things and the metaphors that we say every single day. I challenge you to tell me that you have not said a metaphor yesterday, today and I bet you you're going to be using them tomorrow join us for another metaphor next week until then keep safe I'm Delia Delore goodbye